If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is brought to you by Mountain Tough and Yeti. A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. It's no secret Yeti has some of the best and most durable gear out there. But when it came to hydration, they previously didn't have a great backcountry solution. Well, that all changed with their new Yonder water bottle. My Yonder covered the backcountry all across the West last season while chasing mule deer, elk, caribou, and more. It's about 50% lighter than their insulated Rambler, but still has that Yeti toughness. The best part is they've now got them in four different sizes, so you can pack the bottle perfectly fit for your hunt. To top it off, there's also great options for customization. You can check them out now at yeti.com. Well, everyone, welcome back to Live Wild Podcast. You know, when it comes to rifles, accuracy is really everything. You got to be able to put the bullet where you want, and that makes a difference in a clean, ethical shot. But another factor is caliber choice and what we're going to call killing power. So this week, I'm joined by special guest Adam Weatherby. He's a third-generation owner of Weatherby, and we're going to talk about rifle selection, including calibers, speed, and bullets. But before we do that, Adam's going to share the story of a hunt where the pursuit of a sheep is matched to the perfect mountain rifle. Thanks, Remy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining me, Adam. You know, right. I think one of the things that we've kind of talked about a little bit is your, your sheep hunt. And as a lot of my listeners know, I love sheep hunting stories. Yeah. I love sheep hunting because it's such a rare opportunity to get that chance. Yeah. And it is one of those opportunities where you, you put a lot of time and emphasis if you get that opportunity making good on that opportunity you know i i know i've been on my my last couple thin horn ram hunts i've probably put in 30 days and haven't seen a legal ram yeah so when you get the opportunity to harvest a legal ram it's very important that when that gun goes off that ram goes down right and i think i'd just love to hear your story of your hunt because I, I haven't got the full story yet sure and uh and and just share that and then a little bit too about the you know, what kind of went into the, the gun that you took and, and what your kind of mindset behind that was. You bet. Yeah. No, it was one of those stories. I, I actually, this sheep hunt this last summer, uh, 23 August, I got a call nine or 10 days before the hunt started in the Yukon. And uh, there was cancellation and, a, and a, a series of different things. And I got a call and got to go in the sheep hunt last minute. It's the kind of call, it was, it was actually a text at first and 
like on a Saturday morning, I woke up, saw the text to come in the night before, and I started nudging my wife. I'm like, I think we're going to the Yukon, <laughs> you know, type That's of, awesome. like, you know, you just are pretty excited about. And so, um, you know, I know that I, I kind of got the call and it was, you know, through Wild Sheep Foundation. And, you know, we've done a lot to partner, you know, with them in a variety of ways. And so this was a part of kind of that relationship. And, uh, you know, when, when you get called, a lot of people either both from gear and physical shape spend months or years getting ready for a sheep hunt. Um, and so when you have 10 days, you go, okay, I got to be locked and loaded, ready to go. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to going from a gun standpoint, that's usually not my problem as far as a selection. (laughs) So I have a factory, so it comes in really handy. Um, whether it be ammo, guns, you kind of name it. So that part usually is easiest. The hardest part for me typically is because I do have first world problems. I understand that I do have such a large selection because we make so many different models and calibers that it, uh, it's more like, what do I take? And so when I take it, it's very purposeful because it's not just what was in the back of my safe. It's like this is exactly what I wanted to take, you know. Yeah. Um, I was going with uh, Midnight Sun uh, up there in the Yukon, and it was going to be a backcountry uh, sheep hunt opportunity to shoot a Fannin sheep, which depending on how you look at it for North American sheep, it's a, you know, it's a thin horn, can count as a stone sheep in your, you know, for North American sheep, I think through SCI, right? Yeah. And, you know, so it had that part of it, but... So I was pumped about it. It was going to be my third sheep that I'd been able to hunt. And yeah, got a chance to go up there. I got actually making a film out of it, which is really cool. It's going to debut at the Wild Sheep Foundation show. It's called The Pursuit. Awesome. And, um, yeah, it's going to be about that. So yeah, got to go up there, fly in, ended up uh, horseback in about eight hours to spike camp after we flew in to base camp. And I got to spend just a number of days on the mountain chasing sheep around. And it was an incredible opportunity. Did you guys see quite a few rams or was it? We did. We did. Oh, as always, younger rams. Yeah. And it's finding that old one. I think they're eight and a half, um, you know, you know, it's eight and a half or, or full curl. Yeah. And so, you know, it's what you're looking for. And there's a lot of five, you know, four or five, six-year-old rams, maybe seven. Um, you know, of course, we were hunting for that 10, you know, 10 and a half-year-old ram, nine and a half, you know, at minimum, so that you had that. So we did see... Um, we did see quite a bit of rams actually, but the week before there were horrible fires so much. So like people had to get evacuated out like horrible fires. So no sheep were seen that week at all. And I think afterwards they might've had a tough bout at it. So I think according to how the whole season went, I, I think I got kind of (laughs) lucky. We saw a lot of rams. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we, um, yeah, ended up, I, I, uh, Ended up uh, shooting a, a ten and a half year old ram, and uh, just a beautiful fan and sheep. You know, had some darker color. You know, if you're not, you know, familiar with it, looks like a dirty doll. Yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah, I ended up shooting it at 480 yards. Wow. Um, it was. Uh, I took the our Weatherby Mark V Wild Sheep Foundation Thin Horn Limited Edition rifle. <laughs> Say that it's like the yeah, it's a mouthful. Red Rider BB gun thing out of that Christmas movie. But anyway, so um, ended up taking that chambered in a 6.5 RPM. And, uh, and that's, that's the gun of choice that I used to take on the trip. I also, on this hunt, shot my first wolf that I've ever shot in my life. Oh, cool. We were riding along on horses and at 300 yards, like just saw a wolf, jumped off the horse, pulled the gun out of the scabbard, laid on the ground and just dropped a wolf like in nine seconds. That's cool. And um, that was really fun. So the same gun shot that. 
And then at the very end of the hunt, uh, Brenda came along and uh, my wife and just wanted to experience the Yukon and everything. And they let her come along because it's just, you know, if you've never hunted up there, it's so beautiful. And so at the end of the trip, um, we had an extra day or two and said, hey, let's just go see if we can find like a, just a really good caribou. Yeah. And uh, she ended up shooting the largest caribou in the Yukon this year, 400 wow. inch caribou. That's cool. So uh, all in all, it was a fairy tale trip. I don't say this to rub it in after your 30 days of thin horn hunting and not shooting anything. So I don't want to rub it in, but it was like I shot my first wolf. I, you know, was able to shoot this sheep. Um, she was able to shoot this caribou. We have phenomenal footage. There's going to be a great video. I mean, and we had 10 days notice. So it was kind of a fairy tale, yeah. hunt, to be honest, Remy. That's cool. So, yeah, I feel bad telling you about no. it. <laughs> hey, man, you know, it's like when it works out for someone, they're like, that, hey, that's great. My dad actually had an opportunity to hunt fan and rams and his was not that dirty though his looked pretty white but um, it's a i mean it can be a fan with one dark hair yeah exactly (laughs) but it was like the same time i was in bc grinding it out he was uh in the yukon hunting and he was he was doing a float trip Mm. and he actually uh harvested his ram on i think day four but it worked out good because he actually got giardia from drinking out of the river and it happened to hit him right when he got back <laughs> you know so he's like he's actually thankful that it didn't go <laughs> longer because i've had that i got that this year and ouch the beaver beast. fever yeah it's a beast dude yeah. but uh yeah i mean when it works out it's awesome and you yes. see that too like i know i mean i put in time and you just sometimes you get lucky and then there's like yeah. a guy that yeah i, I know that Literally, they rolled up in a four-wheeler, unload the packs, look up on the hill. Yeah. There's right. a stone sheep. Yep. Shoot it. And he hunted a whole two hours, you know, and it's yeah. like. It's, you, it's you hunting. Just, right? it I mean, is. It's hunting. Yeah. You know? You know? And, <laughs> and some of it has to do with the outfit and the concession, and sometimes it doesn't. You yeah. know, I mean, Midnight Sun, I think, does a great job at managing things, and they have a phenomenal outfit, and I'm sure that helped. I mean, they are, you know, they're known for, you know, putting on a, a quality hunt up there, that's for sure, and getting you in some amazing areas. So they, yeah. they did a great job as far as I was concerned. That's cool. So, Yeah. But could have gone the next week and not seen a sheep. You know, it's, yeah. it's sheep hunting. I think so. one of the things, you know, you mentioned you took that thin horn. And one of the things that I think of on a sheep hunt is, you, I mean, you're carrying everything on your back. So a light rifle makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and sometimes you think about rifle selection, calibers, like, well, what kind of hunting do you do? And then what's the best rifle? Because a lot of people will reach out to me and are like, what gun should I get? I hunt primarily whitetails, but... I want to go on an elk hunt, right? So they don't want to undergun themselves for elk, but don't want to overgun themselves for yes. whitetails. Yeah. I mean, like there's, in my opinion, like the, as, a, as an outfitter, you know, we'd have like the gear list and the, the rifle selection of like, here's what we suggest you take. And my kind of philosophy, especially when it came to elk hunting was like, you can't overgun yourself. Like yeah. dead is dead. Yes. <laughs> you don't right. want to, because mm-hmm. I've seen too many, Mark, well, and a yes. lot of it comes to marksmanship for yes. sure, bullet mm-hmm. placement. But I've seen good bullet placement with, in some cases, inadequate bullet selection or yes. caliber selection, not end how you want it to end, not end pretty. Maybe you still get the elk, but it's not pretty. Yes. Right. And then you can kind of go to that next level of having like a larger caliber, a faster bullet, uh, you know, a better, better bullet selection. And it's a different outcome. Yes. It's a pull the trigger and yeah. we're done one time. Not, you know, not yeah. a rodeo. Track them all night. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Nobody, tracking animals is, 
the least everybody's least favorite part of hunting. Yes. Is tracking a wounded animal. In fact, as I was telling you today, that's how my grandpa started this company seventy eight years ago, was he spent all night tracking a mule deer in the forties, in the early forties, and he laid awake saying, I want him deader next time. And started hand loading his garage and like fire forming these cases and just said, We're gonna get these things moving faster. He's like, I'm not that smart, but I do know enough about physics to know that velocity plays a part in energy. Yeah. And, and so that's how our whole company started, actually, was exactly that. You know, wanting that quick, quicker, more humane kill on an animal. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I think that one thing that I want to talk about today, and I know you know the ins and outs of because, you know, for me, it's like I know rifles, I know calibers, but I don't know everything. Like, you guys have... There's 450 options of rifles and, and, and different things. And when you think about somebody going, like, what rifle should I choose? What, you know, caliber it, should I get? I think one of the, you know, we could kind of talk about the basis and, and behind the scenes of, like, here's what we're looking at. You know, you want to, uh, first of all, in my opinion, it has to be accurate, right? Like, that's, uh, I mean, I've seen guys show up with a bad, bullet rifle combination and they're all over like they're all over the paper and i go you're gonna use my gun <laughs> you know you shoot within 100 yards right yeah. exactly right or you, you know you limit yeah. yourself to whatever yeah um but i don't know I, i'd really think it'd be awesome if you kind of walk us through that rifle selection caliber selection and sure. then some of the things that equate that killing power sure absolutely yeah you know, I think going back to your question, you know, everybody calls us all the time too. What's the best all-around rifle or cartridge or caliber? And we always say, well, there isn't one. That's why you should buy more guns. But that is our answer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, don't buy just one. But and, and there is something to to be said about that. That the reason why you know we were talking today, there are if you look at models and calibers, there are 450 different part numbers of rifles we have without the custom shop is because there is a different purpose. You know, I think for everything. Um, obviously, you know, you know, caliber selection is, um, a big discussion that people have and it is, you know, it is important. Um, you know, it comes obviously to range and your terrain and the type of animals and everything, you know, that you're going to be hunting. Lots of people have opinions on, you know, caliber, but beyond that, it's the rifle that it's paired with and it's the bullet that it's paired with too. And really understanding ballistics and, and, uh, I mean, really when it comes down to it from a caliber selection standpoint, it's about energy. It's about foot pounds of energy when that bullet impacts an animal. Regardless of the construction of the bullet, because there are many different you know, types of bullets and the way they're constructed, you know, the bottom line is that the thing needs to be moving fast enough. And, and depending on the bullet, and everybody has different rules they live by, and I'm not saying this is the absolute one, but at, at a minimum, by the time it hits the animal, um, that is you're looking at a, a ballistics chart that goes out to, to different yardages, um, I tend to live by 1,200 foot-pounds of energy or 1,800 feet per second. And, and if it dips below either of those, I don't want to take that shot. Um, it's not producing enough energy at that point. And velocity, the energy is more the impact and the damage it's going to do to the animal. The velocity has to do more with the bullet expanding and doing what it's supposed to do. Now, different bullets are going to have different minimums and you know, due to the construction of it. Those are the numbers that I have just to throw them out there. Yeah. People can argue it in the comments all they want. There's different things, but I typically, you know, want that. So when I look at a ballistics chart, really from there, if you take like a 6.5 that's been super popular, so 6.5 Creedmoor, 6.5 PRC, 
We have two in our line, a 6.5 Weatherby RPM, a 6.5 300. There's a 26 Nosler, a 264 Winmac. You name it, there's, you know, right. 10 6.5s you could name. You're taking that same projectile and you're just shooting it out at different speeds. Um, obviously, with the assumption that they're accurate, you then just need to look and look at that ballistics chart and say, well, how far can I shoot? Um, you know, wind being a big factor in that and just knowing that the faster the bullet, um, the further that energy is going to carry out, the less time it's in the air getting affected by the wind that's out there. And so there is an advantage to the speed game. Now, there is the recoil part of it where you do need to be able to shoot it well. I have had people, when we talk about not too large of a cartridge, it's like, hey, they can't be deader and you want to bring something big. But if they can't shoot it well because they're developing a flinch, which I've seen with shooters before, yeah. that I'd rather them shoot it accurately and put it in the boiler room than shoot something big and you know shoot it you know a foot back or something because they can't shoot. So you, you do need to be competent and confident enough to be able to shoot it. But in essence, it's, it's kind of taking that and knowing what that velocity is going to be. Then taking barrel length in it too, that different cartridges are going to have different burn rates, meaning that as it goes out that bore, different barrels... You know, typically the longer the barrel, the faster the bullet's going to be going. But larger cases that are going to push bullets faster are going to require longer bullet lengths. And there is a trend right now to go very short on barrel lengths, put suppressors on, and it's lighter, which has a lot of validity and a lot of great reasons to it. But you need to know, I am affecting the velocity of that um, fairly significantly depending on the round. I'm probably, am I yeah. getting too deep, too no, quick, No, 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 I think this is good. Okay. Because I think one Stop of the things. Stop me and let me know where you want me to head. No, I think, you know, one of the things that people need to think about in the, in the basis of a rifle kills by shock, essentially. You know, unlike like a bow kills by cutting. Yes. And so when you've got an animal, like as an elk guide, an elk can soak up a lot of shock. Yeah. And unfortunately with elk, like you hit him, they don't really bleed. You know, you you need to deliver that shock to have a lethal kill. Yes. Um, and, and also, you know, you got to put the bullet in the right place. But what happens when the wind, there's elemental factors that put the bullet where you don't want it. And then what happens? So when we're looking at a hunting bullet, I think, you know, a lot of people don't think about, okay, what is the maximum effective range for this? And then if you, a lot of people just go out and be like, oh, I can shoot X amount of yards cool, you can shoot X amount of yards on steel, but can the bullet that you're shooting effectively kill what you're shooting at, right. at those ranges? You know, I'm personally in the <clears throat> philosophy of like, I like to get close just because I like that challenge of it. Mm -hmm. But I also shoot a lot at a lot of different ranges mm -hmm. because it's enjoyable. And if I have to, I know that I can make a- You end up a, killing more animals. <laughs> right, like I can make a quick, yes. clean kill at, at yes. various ranges. Yes, you know, and I think one of the things that comes into to factor for me is when we're looking at different calibers, also like matching the gun to the pursuit as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. If I, you know, like for a mountain type hunt, well, I want a little bit lighter gun, which might mean, you know, it will kick more. And I also, you know, you mentioned recoil. Like I'm a big fan of and I have said this on multiple podcasts, like I'm a big fan of reducing recoil. Because I've seen in America, like, it's just, here, give your 16-year-old kid a 300 Weatherby Magnum but with no break or nothing. And, like, this was just, like, I remember I was 11 years old and they're like, here, shoot this 300 Win Mag, you know? 
Like, okay, cool. And then you just develop really bad habits. And I've seen it, you know, getting people started in hunting. And so now I'm like, I won't, I hardly will ever shoot anything either un, not suppressed or not with a break on it because, well, one, I like to be able to see my impacts. Yeah. And two, uh, you know, I think like it develops bad habits for people that, Agreed. like you said, like you need to be able to manage the recoil. So there is that balance of like, okay, yes. we want the right rifle for what we're doing. Maybe it's like you want a light rifle, but you also want to manage the recoil, but you also need killing power yes. and speed. So how do we, right. like, what's a good formula to say, like, here's what we're looking for out of essentially unlimited options and choices. Now, one thing too is, you know, having a little bit heavier rifle manages the recoil as well. Yes. Like that's that's one thing that when I shoot a heavier rifle, it jumps less, I shoot better. Like it, there are benefits to that as well. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, is there a perfect rifle caliber <laughs> combination? Right. I don't think there is, yeah. right? Everybody's just got their everybody, favorites. It's, it's dependent upon the person too yeah. and how they shoot, you know. I think, you know, I went through this with, with Brenda, my wife, this, you know, as she's developed as a shooter and a hunter and I've gone on hunts. And I'm like, ah, I really want that energy out there. Like I know this hunt, it could be some long range shots. I just, you know, I want something bigger. But I found what her max was on recoil where yeah. she wasn't shooting well. And I know she's a very good shot. So I had to back it down a couple notches to where that sweet spot was where she could shoot lights out. It might have maybe taken me in 100 yards in that effective range later, but I knew that she'd make a good shot. So, you know, I think it is dependent, you know, where different people and their body size and all those things can can maybe shoot. I mean, I saw you at the range today, you know, shooting a 300, you know, a lot of rounds and out far, and you did phenomenal. <laughs> and there was no break on it, you know, yeah. um, today. I know that's not how you normally would would do it in a hunting scenario, but... So I think it is very dependent upon that person of, of how they shoot. But you can tell if you've done it enough when you're like, wait, why are my groups opening up all of a sudden? You're yep. just like, I'm not shooting very well. I've developed a flinch or those bad habits. So I think it is really important. And I think you have to look at what your priorities are. So, you know, your weight of a rifle, for instance. So if you really want to go light, your effective range might be a little bit less because you might not be able to pack as heavy of a bullet or as large, large of a cartridge. You know, that's what even in our development, like we have our backcountry lineup in our Mark V. And when we introduced our backcountry, that's a, a five-pound rifle. And we introduced the 6.5 Weatherby RPM, which is really a Magnum cartridge. In a five-pound rifle, that was the whole idea, just me being a backcountry hunter. Like I wanted speed and I wanted lightweight. And a lot of times you get lightweight, but you don't have the speed. So I yeah. wanted kind of what that blend was. And, and it's still shooting 120, 130, 140 grain bullets. So it's like, man, we can kind of pack that in there. But, you know, in a 300, a five-pound gun just wouldn't be there. So we've even tried to develop packages, if you would, around that to try to get to what that sweet spot is, you know, for people and, and where they're going to be hunting. If they don't think they're going to need to push it out there that far, then you can afford to you know, back off your, the cartridge size, if you would, of, uh, of what you're going to get. And one other factor in there is just the bullet you are shooting. There's the cartridge, but there's the bullet and the ballistic yeah. coefficient, which again, I know probably listeners are all over the place as far as their understanding of things. Your BC or your ballistic coefficient is really going to help you determine the aerodynamics of your bullet. And the higher BC is going to hold your speed longer and it's going to dive quicker if it's a, you know, lower BC. And so really understanding that part of it too, 
you can have a smaller cal- cartridge or caliber, but with a higher BC bullet, you can extend that range a little bit further. So y- you can get down the rabbit hole if you don't want to geek out on it. At a certain point, you kind of have to, to to really yeah. get to that point. Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, I think just like for the listener going like, okay, what's all this mean? I'm, I'm going to get a new rifle or I have a rifle. Let's say I've got a, a deer rifle. I, I'm going, I live in, hypothetically, you whitetail hunt, you're going to go on an elk hunt. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what are some of the things that they can look at and say like, is this adequate for what I'm about to embark on? Yeah. Obviously, like you mentioned, the energy and the speed have a lot to do with that. Yes. And so I think that's one of the things is like, okay, pull up the ballistics for that bullet that you're using. And maybe you've got a caliber that you're like, okay, well, I can, you know, what I'll do often if I'm hunting white-tailed deer is I'll shoot a little bit lighter bullet as long as it through that rifle works well. And then when I go to elk hunt, I'll maybe like shoot a heavier bullet. Absolutely. Um, so I know, like because, a 30 cal and a 300. You can do a 165, correct. you can do a 220. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing I think some people don't really, you know, when you've got that heavier bullet, there's a lot of benefits of bucking the wind, but it also slows it down. Right. So you've got more flight time, but also probably generally sometimes a higher BC. So you kind of get to balance that heavy bullet with the conditions. And, but the nice thing about that heavy bullet is you maintain that mass and energy out at distance. So yes. you can you can kind of play with that as well of saying like, hey, I've got this gun, I've got this caliber. Okay, well, here's what I can do with it if I'm primarily deer hunting, but then I can load it up and, and still have good speed and, and good weight retention and good energy for killing power out at distance on a larger animal. Yes, absolutely. No, those are all, I think, yeah, that's it's really valuable to, to kind of understand that. And you you certainly can. Can a guy grab his 270 Winchester, he's on a white tail with his whole life, and go kill an elk? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the 270 Winchester versus like a 300 Weatherby, your distance is going to be maybe in half of what I would probably be comfortable in shooting that out to. Yeah, um, yeah you're also going to, that bullet selection I think is going to be, you know, really, really key as well. And, uh, yeah, I think you can Google, the, you know, the, the ballistic charts, if you would, and really look at that and, you know, look at that, like I said, with the 1,200 foot-pounds energy or 1,800 FPS and just start to kind of look. And then you can go, okay, let's say I'm looking at a 6.5 and I look at all those different 6.5 ones and, okay, what are what are my range differences there, right, yep. that I would have? And you can really realistically start to uh, start to, you know, see what that looks like, see what it looks like in different factory, you know, loads and offerings and, you know, I know not everybody has a chronograph, but it is important, too, to know what your individual gun with that bullet is shooting, too. And that's why, like, I think with barrel lengths right now, you do have to just pay attention. I saw this week there's some new rifles came out in, like, 7PRC and 300 win mag in, in 20-inch barrels. By chopping off, say, from 24 to 20 inches, there's going to be – you can't just look at that. A lot of people just look at the box thing and say, well, it's going to shoot this. Well, the, nobody's putting out 300 wind mag velocities on a 20-inch barrel on the side of their box. Right. And that's going to make a lot of difference on both your effective range as well as dialing in your, your dope and your ballistics. You know, it's going to make a difference. So it is doing a little bit of research on that for that cartridge to, to make sure that that kind of, you know, lines up too. Yeah. Um, it's hard. We all want shorter barrels, but, but there, is, there is a trade-off. With everything, there's a yeah. trade-off. And it's finding that when I went on that hunt this year – I took a 22 inch, which 
my grandpa probably roll over in his grave because I was chopping off speed, you know, yeah. I was chopped two inches off from that 24 inch. I lost 120 feet per second on the 6.5 RPM um, because 6.5 RPM is a lot faster than a Creedmoor. A Creedmoor, you're, gonna hardly, you're not going to hardly lose, you know, a fraction of that from 24 to 22 inch. Right. But bigger case on a 6.5 RPM needs more bore to burn the powder. So for me, I knew I was losing 120 and I knew, and I can't recall it now, but at the time I looked and says, I said, okay, by going two inches less, my effective range was chopped by X amount of yards. But that was a trade-off that I said, okay, I'm going to take this gun. It's got a carbon fiber barrel. You know, it was a five-pound, two-ounce gun. It was dead on accurate. I knew that. I was using these 124-grain hammer bullets. So I kind of researched all those things and just said, this is the gun that I want to take. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of, you know, in doing that, said, yeah, this is, you know, this is what it's going to be for that. If I wouldn't have been doing as much hiking, I'd probably taken a longer barrel. Maybe even the 6.5-300 so I could shoot out further. I've shot mule deer out pretty doggone far with the 6.5-300 Weatherby because it just keeps flying and, and does right. that, obviously, in low-end things. So it is – you just have to know the limits of it. I think people – you can take a 6.5 Creedmoor and hit steel at 1,000 yards. That doesn't mean it's going to tip an animal over. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back to your kind of shock and energy and that translating, you yeah. know, really in there. I am a little worried – that some of the, you know, there's different trends and, and things that things do come back and, and forth and all those kind of things. The technology that's out there now in ballistic apps, scopes, you know, range-finding binos, stuff that sinks in, it makes it where on a non-windy day you can go and plink away and hit steel and be a halfway decent shot and really impress people and yourself. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it all translates over into, well, I'm going to go at that same distance with that same gun and that same thing and shoot an animal there. A, know the effective range. B, you always have to respect wind. Wind gives me more than any other single thing. Oh, yeah. Because I can't build guns to determine that. Like, yeah. you know, drop is just pure physics, you know, So we, with the wind. And three is even understanding sh shooting conditions and even – your own personal position, whether I'm prone or sitting or standing, shooting sticks off a tree, off a pack, and knowing what your effective range is on all those things really kind of comes yeah. into play. Now, the beauty is, like you said, going back to your outfitting days, the larger, the more energy you have impacting that animal, the, you know, it, it can help, uh, it can help cover a multitude of errors, right? Yeah. In other words, I could be a little further off, but if I, if that thing's hitting like a freight train, I can be those extra three inches off and it might kill that animal right there. Yep. If I have less energy when it's hitting, it means that my factor of like air that I can make as a hunter or shooter, like I got to be really on. So sometimes I like to go with a little bit more gun because sometimes I make errors. I misjudge the wind. I'm not as stable as I want to be. And I do like that extra energy there. For sure. And that's, that's a good way to look at it too, because you know, I think if I was to, to choose a, a caliber for a specific hunt, I would always err on the side of like a little more as opposed to a little less. And sometimes, you know, I've tried a lot of different calibers over the years and I do like the factor of a little bit lighter caliber is just like shooting a now with like you throw a suppressor or a muzzle brake on, it's like shooting like a <laughs> toy pop gun. You're like, right. okay. Like, uh, you know, for, for my wife or whatever, it's awesome. Like, like you said, I kind of tried mixing different calories and they're like, okay, a little bit lighter gun for her. She shoots better with it and it is more effective. But I think one of the other things too, that, that people run into the problem of is 
Well, this is what one of the things that I really value of what you guys have done here, getting to spend time with you guys and and knowing like I get to see a little bit of behind the scenes of like when you guys choose a bullet to load in your ammunition, you've gone and matched it with your rifles and there's so much testing that that's why like your ammunition and your rifles pair really well together because you guys, yes. it's like we're finding the accuracy. You know, you just go buy a gun and ammo off the shelf uh, for like, you know, different ammo and it might take you multiple boxes to figure out like this one i've got guns that will not shoot certain bullets absolutely like they just don't but when you know what bullet that rifle shoots really well then you've got that the ultimate of like accuracy and then hopefully that's that's a a well-built hunting bullet and then you combine that with good velocity and and you've got that essentially what we talked about killing power that's a good combination for whatever you're hunting you know, and I think that that's one thing, like, a lot of guys will be like, hey, I got this gun, but I just, like, you know, they're, they're all over the map. And I'm, my first thing is, like, okay, I would try multiple different bullets. And and what – so, like, I'm sure within your guys' testing, you found, like, certain bullets – I know we were talking about it before. Is like, uh, was it with the 6.5 RPM or there was one where it was, like, four grooves in the rifle barrel – Versus six grooves. Well, six five three hundred in particular. Six five three hundred. Okay. We really learned that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, so then we've yeah, man, it's a lot of testing. Yeah. To, to get to those points, but there is, you know, that, and then there's the rate of twist conversation too. That, you know, is more prevalent now, where people are wanting to get a faster rate of twist, shoot a heavier bullet, and uh, so it is making sure that you're not buying, say, a fast twist rate and getting too light of a bullet, and it's not stabilizing it. And yep. so then you're like, why isn't it shooting? It's not accurate. You know, some of the new rounds, like say a seven PRC, they're putting a one and eight twist. It's spinning it faster. You're not going to want to load a really lightweight uh, seven millimeter bullet and put it in there or buy a, a factory load at the bottom end. It's just not going to stabilize. There's some good, uh, like burger, burger bullets. They have a really good uh, chart. Um, actually as a resource tips yeah. and tactics. Is that what we say? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you put in your bullet weight and your velocity and your rate of twist and see how it matches up. It's, it's you know, from an online standpoint, it's a really good resource. Yeah. But it's, it's good to kind of know too because the trend is going to faster rates of twist and heavier bullets with higher BCs. Right. Because you can put it in a smaller cartridge and have less recoil. That's where that's going. But there's a lot of education that has to happen to match all that stuff up. You just can't go to the store anymore and go, I'll take one of them 30-odd sixes with one of them boxes of ammo and walk out and expect for it to, right. you know, shoot out to whatever, you know? Yep. like So there is some education, and rate of twist does come in there too. So just a, another thing for people to go off and nerd out about a little bit. But. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is like, I think by the end of this podcast, people are maybe more confused. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, but also, it, you know, it goes to say like, I think that the the things that you want to look for when you're looking at caliber selection, like one is, yeah, really the killing power and the effective range that you want out of your rifle and then going from there. Like I think that that's a good first selection and then obviously the size and type of animal that you primarily hunt. Um, As long as you have those things matched up, then I think that you'll be in a good position of like everybody's got 
with calibers, like you could put 10 people in this room and everybody's going to tell you that mm -hmm. another caliber, they probably have 10 different answers on the best caliber, right? And, and maybe the best caliber means certain things to different people. One guy wants to shoot really far. One guy shoots through brush. One guy yeah. shoots in a lot of wind. One guy doesn't like a lot of recoil. One guy doesn't mind the recoil, but wants to blow a uh, elephant off of its feet. Right. You know, like right. you, everybody's got their own version of, of what they like. But I think that you know, matching that bullet and that killing power to your effective distance and what you're looking for is a good place to start. And, you know, obviously it, with anything, I think it's really good to just get in and kind of like look at those ballistics. I mean, yeah. I go through, I've got, you know, use pretty much every ballistics app out there. Yeah, and like, right. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing we were talking about when we were shooting today, we had something in a ballistics calculator. Uh, someone was running some calculations. We were, we were just walking this gun out. And they gave us, both me and you, they gave us a number and both me and you look at each other and you're like, that's not right. Right. You know, because how often do we shoot and we're like, yes. no, this, I've never shot, uh, we, sh we were shooting a 300 PRC today. And that's the first time I've ever pulled the trigger on a 300 PRC. Yeah. But I knew that those numbers weren't right, yes. <laughs> you know? And, and we're I went like, in there and fixed it. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, like the BC's off. Yeah, something's yeah. off. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you, you really like when you study, you know, ballistics coefficients and, and, drop compensations and, and like look at that stuff a lot it starts to make a lot more sense yeah. and then understanding those velocities and, and that energy is important when it comes to hunting not just shooting mm -hmm. absolutely we've put a lot of factors in one other thing and this one's just pretty simple so i'm going to put in one other factor or do you think i've utterly confused no, no, 90 percent of the we'll people get, we'll go with one more factor. one more factor this isn't as much on action but it's something that people because it's weight and performance a little bit is barrel contour so barrel length is going to be speed but there's a, uh, you know, a trend for carbon fiber barrels. There's skinnier barrels, heavier barrels, et cetera. I mean, the bottom line is typically the thicker a barrel, the more steel on it, the more rigid it's going to be. Inherently, the more accurate it would be and the more rounds you could put through it. So on a hunting environment, we make a lot of guns with what we'd call pencil barrels. They're real thin. Yeah. But if you shoot a 6.5-300 Weatherby that's lights out fast, burning a ton of powder and you go down there and just want to plink, 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 that barrel is going to heat up so much and your groups will start stringing. So, but in a hunting scenario, the plan when you go hunting is not to fire two boxes of ammo on the hillside. If right. you do, it's been a bad day. And so if it's a hunting gun, you go down there, you do need to wait for it to cool. Now, today it was a cool day out there. It was windy. The barrel, the barrel was naturally cooling down. I felt pretty well. Yeah, really. And your groups were holding, obviously, very tight. But it is something to kind of note that as you're doing things, um, you will sacrifice weight if you go heavier, but it will enable you to shoot that gun more without those groups being, you know, be beginning to wander. Right. And then what carbon fiber barrels have done is what they've tried to do is take a little bit more of the performance of a heavy contour barrel, but shave off the weight so that that carbon fiber that's around, depending on which barrel it is, that's around that steel will help with that rigidity and help those groups to kind of stay tight longer it works better in some than others without yep. going into too much there. But, you know, it's just another kind of factor to have too. But I love shooting a little, a thinner contour steel barrel that's fluted, that's real lightweight if I'm going to go on a backcountry hunt. And I don't plan on shooting it over three to four times, you know, yeah. hopefully, um, to really see that that start to kind of play into it. But another factor when you're kind of choosing that system, yeah, that in a faster, a bigger cartridge is going to heat that barrel up quicker. So if I shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor through a little pencil barrel, my groups are probably going to hold tighter. If I shoot a 6.5 300 through it, you know, 
four or five rounds into it, my groups are going to start to open up where in a Creedmoor it's not. So it's right. just another something to think about in that as well, depending on what's important to you. If yeah. you're a bad shot and you're going to be doing a lot of missing, well, yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a heavier barrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate, you know, going through this stuff with us because, you know, you've got so much experience with seeing so much testing and, and the work you guys put in, you know, getting to tour the facility with you guys and, and see all that. It's just been awesome for me. You know, one of the things, so for our listeners, I've talked about partnership with you guys and, and working with your company for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is being made here in America, you know, the, the Weatherby uh, Mark 5s just like built right below us, below where we're doing this mm-hmm. podcast right now. <laughs> and then also we're, we're going to be releasing in partnership with you guys, the Live Wild edition Weatherby Mark 5, which is, you know, we, we've been testing it. We got to shoot it. We just essentially assembled one today. It was hot off the press, like literally out of the Cerakote machine, put this thing together, sighted it in and took it out to the range in less than a, what, so two rounds over half a box. What was that? Uh, yeah, 16 uh, rounds. No, yeah, no, no, 10 no, excuse rounds. me, we do 12 rounds. 12 rounds, yeah, we did 12 rounds, walked it out to 1,000 yards, kill shots all the way in windy conditions. And I mean, it was like, Hot off the press, essentially. We took. We were saying earlier, out of the box, but it actually didn't make it yeah, didn't into the box. The box. We, yeah. You were a part of assembling it. It literally was warm out of the oven. And yeah. You took it out there, and you shot amazing on a windy day in Wyoming. Oh, it was thanks. pretty incredible. And but, shoot, you never shot a 300 PRC. Yeah. Didn't have a break on it because we like just ran out to the range and yeah. left it at the factory. <laughs> it's like, before it gets dark, let's go shoot <laughs> yeah. this thing outside. It was awesome. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah it was great. But yeah, really I mean, good. the awesome thing about this rifle too is there's so there's a very large caliber selection that people can get into. So I wanted mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about caliber selection because, mm-hmm. you know, guys can go in there and you can essentially find whatever you're looking for for whatever your pursuit, whatever the type of shooter you are. And, and you guys are building this rifle with, so many different options of, of rifle calibers. So you can go onto the Weatherby website and check it out. It's a Live Wild Edition rifle. It, the cool thing about it, it's got some, it's very feature rich for the price point. And that was one of the things that you guys, it was awesome to work with you guys for because I was like, here's what I want in it. And I also want it to be like a really good price point. You guys are like, we'll make that happen, which yeah. thank you guys. Cool. Like it, it was, it was awesome to be able to do that. You know, I think one of the, a couple of the things that I really like about it, it comes with a muzzle brake. It's a spiral fluted barrel. It's got a black, especially like hand painted. Like there's people painting them right now. It's a very, I mean, everyone's essentially a little bit different because it's custom painted. It's got a spiral fluted bolt as well. And a cool Live Wild logo. And a cool Live Wild logo. It's got everything you want, and it looks awesome too. Yeah. So, well, like um, you said, you, you'd feel comfortable. I think that's what you said today was like, you know, I this gun that you just went out there with, I'd, I feel you know, comfortable hunting with it tomorrow. Before it made it in the box. Yeah, I don't even like, think we made it through our final inspection. Like we usually do a bunch of feeding. Like we just kind of grabbed it. And yeah, went. we're like, all right, <laughs> let's go. Let's go shoot this thing. And I mean, it's just like yeah. lights out. And this was not, a, nothing else was done to it. This was just off the line we just grabbed a gun and sure we're like let's go shoot and this i think thing. when you were talking about the system too we you know it was 300 prc we are loading that now that was a hammer bullet it was a 195 grain hammer we yeah. are using today and it inherently the hammer bullets are not the cheapest 
but they are the most accurate. They're phenomenal. And yeah. so it is some of those systems, you know, that we talk about when you even look at a gun, you can get an accurate gun. Don't go, don't go super cheap on your ammo. Like it, it cracks me up. Guys will go cheap on a box of ammo to take on a hunt that costs them thousands of dollars that they cashed in points after years. And they want to go save $25 on a box of ammo. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, we try to load for like, I was telling you today, our standard deviations, you want consistency, in there, in your loading that you know shot after shot is going to hit where it's supposed to hit, like to have premium bullets. We don't make the bullets. We load different ones. There's a lot of great other, you know, other factories that load some great bullets too. Don't go super cheap on a bullet construction either. Do some research on it and take one that's going to perform and expand at different velocities. There's some bullets out there that don't like to go fast. Yeah. And we can't load them. Like we can't load certain bullets in our 65300 because it comes out just screaming and spinning and spiraling and <laughs> twisting and oh, turning. Yeah. It doesn't shoot well. So, you know, you really don't go cheap on your ammo either. So it is that system, you know, yeah. I think that that uh, is what we saw today out there at the range too. So, and Remy Warren can shoot, even with the kind of halfway busted wrist, yeah. even with <laughs> 300 PRC, which is, you know, not a not too small of a case. And um, with no muzzle brake, and, it, and it's fairly light rifle. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, and uh, so to be able to do that in... You know, you, you you can shoot, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I just close my eyes and let her rip. That thing that just finds the center by itself. <laughs> and just to note, today we did shoot some shotguns, some stuff that's not out yet. And just for kicks, we were shooting Clay's left-handed, and, and you were smashing Clay's left-handed. I, I finally After figured it out. After a few misses, yeah, right? I took, yeah, I realized that, yeah, I like to shoot with both eyes open on everything. But um, I, I was doing that, and I was missing by a lot. And I closed my right I'm like, oh, yeah, close your right eye, duh. And then once you do a little bit of aiming, you could figure it out. It yeah. I think I actually started shooting better left-handed. I might have to switch <laughs> on the on the shot. What's that saying about your right-handed shooting? Yeah, That's exactly. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I was trying to look up. I was curious what the weight is. Um, so on that gun, I was cur- curious today, but I believe it should weigh in right about um, our smaller six-lug action, which yeah. is a longer, skinnier action, but 6.5 RPM, your odd six, those things, 270 win. That'd come in at 6.2. Yeah. And then the larger magnum action that you'd have been shooting today would have been 7.3 pounds. So it's a hair over six or a hair over seven pounds. So not an ultralight, but not a heavy gun. It's kind yeah. of that all, which I think is something we were shooting for with this too, is like it's not gonna be super light to feel too much recoil, but it's gonna be light enough to pack around. And that was that was the thing. I mean, that 300 PRC, we didn't have the brake on it, mm-hmm. which you know that it was just the right amount of weight to still make it very manageable. Mm-hmm. But I imagine once that brakes on it, it's just like yeah, nothing. Yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Yep, yep. And they all come threaded too. So if you do have a suppressor and do yep. that, then you know, I mean, I've been hunting suppressed more and more, and you do get spoiled. Yeah, you do. I don't like that big thing sticking off there all the time and stuff, but golly, it's nice. It is, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I hope that, you know, people could glean a little bit of like some of the things to look for because I, I think that's one thing is like we could sit here and tell you what caliber to get, but I think you got to kind of just match like, all right, here's what I need to look for in the ballistics of what I'm wanting to do and then match the caliber to that. You know, and, and the nice thing is, like, for me, if I know I'm going coos deer hunting, I'm probably not taking the same gun that I'm taking elk hunting, right? Because I'm matching it for particularly what I'm going to be hunting. But, you know, there, there is that, like, hey, I'm looking for this and I, I can do that. 
you know, just match the rifle for, for what your primary focus is. Or the, you know, if you're, you're like, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to go on a couple elk hunts in the future. You know, I'm looking to buy a new rifle now, get that elk gun and deer hunt with it. It's not, you know, it's like you can still kill a deer with an elk gun if you want. Sure. You might sometimes ruin a little bit more meat depending on where you hit them. Right. So you, That's, you know, that is the you thing. You hit a little white tail through both shoulders with it's a not good. 300, you know, yeah. you might be having shoulder stew or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, that's that's why I was like, yeah. I, I personally like to kind of match that lighter caliber with that lighter, you know, that yeah. smaller animal. A lot less meat loss, but still within that range of like killing power. Right. That's why we think everybody needs more uh, more hunting guns. Yeah. I mean, it's just if I've heard anything today, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Adam, for joining us. You bet. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know I sure did. I'm really excited because the Live Wild Remy Warren Edition Weatherbees are now available on sale. If you're headed to the Western Hunt Expo this week, I'm going to have them displayed there. They'll also be displayed at the Weatherbee booth. You know, just as a reminder, I think that there's some really awesome features with this firearm. It's got spiral fluted bolt and barrel, Cerakoted bolt and barrel, hand painted stock. It's got a trigger tech trigger. It comes with the AccuBrake muzzle brake. It's in a Mark V action made here in America. Uh, just so many, it's a very feature rich rifle for the price point. I'm really excited about this gun and being able to offer it to you guys. So if you guys are interested and you're in the market for a new rifle, Feel free to check it out. It's available now on the Weatherby website or remywarn.com. You can find a link there to it as well. Uh, there's going to be a lot of caliber selection and options for you. So if you like a certain caliber or you're in need of a new caliber, maybe you're like, hey, I need a new deer rifle. Hey, I need an elk rifle. I think we've got you covered. I'm really excited about that. And those are now available. And then just thinking about rifles you got to pair it with something what i've been using is the vortex razor lht rifle scope i mean if you're looking for the perfect western big game rifle you know combining that with something that's good on elk and mule deer and does uh some good distance as well it's got you covered because it's got locking adjustable turret it's lightweight it pairs very nicely to this rifle i've been using it on all the test rifles that we've been using and we've been shooting some phenomenal groups. And then, like I said, walking it out to a thousand yards out at the range and having just extremely great performance with that combo. So that's something to think about as well. You know, if you are in the market for a new rifle, or maybe you've got a rifle and you just need to top it with a new scope, there's an option for you as well. But that was that's been the pairing that I've been using, and I think that you guys will will really enjoy it. So if you're at Western Hunt Expo, feel free to swing by my booth. Um I can't remember the booth number off the top of my head right now, but you can look it up. I'll be there most of the days. We got a lot of awesome activities and things going on. And I'm just going to say, I'm going to end this. I think we'll just end it with, let's go shooting. That's a great, sounds good. All right, we'll catch you guys later. (laughs) 